If you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 as we continue talking about a twisted world. Um, it is my desire to drop some truth, uh, just, uh, just to plant a life-changing truth in your life today. Now, it'll be a message for everyone. Uh, for some, it'll be a word of encouragement and affirmation. For others, it may be a word of warning. It may be a word uh, that you need to act on and to really be set free. Uh, but as a cha- I want to share some things with you that you can share with others that may be struggling, need to hear this, maybe your best friend or someone in your family needs to hear what I'm going to share today. Um, uh, it'll be a message for our young people and for our adults as well. Uh, but I, I hope that you'll let this speak to you today. Um, we have talked about a twisted world. And we start out talking about how Satan, the master destroyer and master deceiver, has managed to twist things just enough to cause chaos in our lives. If we accept it to be truth, it does devastating things to us. And so he's done a good job. He's very good at this. And today I want to talk to you about what he has probably done so well and so cleverly and and has caused so much destruction because of it. That we just need to talk about it for a minute. Uh, man, I'm here to tell you that I've, God's got a good word for you. There'll be uh, some of it will be kind of wow. That's what looking for that. The other will be good good news for you. So uh, hang in there to the end, okay? And you really will be encouraged. Uh, I think one of the greatest twists He's brought to our world is this: when it comes to that thing, uh, and actually, uh, I kind of. Uh, when I was thinking about my sermon this week, and I have, I have wrestled with this one. I'm telling you. I've kind of, Lord, I'm telling you, you really want to do this? Yeah. I, I planned my series out a long time ago. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this was the one that's going to be kind of hard. Because I realize I probably will make two groups of people unhappy today. There's some that think you should never talk about sex in the church. I will make you unhappy. There's some that say, I wish you wouldn't talk about sex in the church. I will make you unhappy. But maybe we'll get something out of it together and we'll all leave here together happy, okay? As what God's truth works in our lives. So let's talk about a twisted world. I think one of the the most severe twists I've ever seen that has been so cleverly interweaved in our life, in our media, in our very culture is this. That sexual activity outside of marriage is just a social activity. It's just an isolated event, a night of fun, a night of experience. What harm could it do? Uh, we've, even, we've even coined terms to, to kind of feed this mindset. We call it safe sex, which there's no such thing, but we call it that so everybody feels good about it. Or we call it consensual sex. doesn't change what it does down the road in your life. Or we, we call it casual sex just because we're not going to have any connection. We're not going to develop any relationship. We just want to have self-gratification. And the sad thing is we've bought into that. We, we, have, we have bought into to, to, to what seems to be uh, such a twisted truth in our world. Has... As we look at it today, I can tell you the divorce rate is higher than it's ever been, not only outside the church, but inside the church, which tells me we've got something happening that isn't good, okay? Something's wrong with what takes place. 
There's something broken. Uh, and we look at what's taking place in the lives of young people today and what they're struggling with and how they are getting beat up emotionally and, and, and mentally. And, and uh, So my question would be, considering the attitude and the mindset of the 21st century, uh, that, that sex is kind of a casual thing, it's consensual and safe, and it's just another activity among many activities, uh, I want to ask you, in light of what we know and see and what you see in the lives of people around you, is it working that way? Is that working? I mean, is it really working? No, I don't think so. Common sense would say, man, there's something wrong with what we're doing because it's leaving a lot of devastation behind and a lot of destruction. Every, in the introduction I put this, every carefully crafted deception comes with undisclosed danger and destruction, every one of them. Satan has taken the God-given gift for intimacy and fulfillment and reduced it to a mere physical activity. And he says, it's just, it's just sex. Is it just, it's just physical. Or is it really just physical? Well, Paul has something to say about that. We need to pay attention to that today and hear it because, parents, I think you need to share this with your children. I'm going to give you an illustration to share with your young people when you're trying to talk, have that talk you don't want to talk to about. I'll tell you what you can tell them. Uh, grandparents, I'm going to tell you what you can tell them. And uh, what you might can tell your best friend. So here we go. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, don't you realize, now let me tell you, he's talking to church people. He ain't talking to people that are out there defying God, ignoring God, denying God. He's talking about people who know God. He really is talking to believers. He said, he's having to say to church people on a Sunday morning sermon, don't you realize, you know why he's saying that? Because they haven't realized it. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take this body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Well, common sense answer is no. All right? Never, he says. And don't you realize, he's having to say this, why? Because they haven't realized it. They haven't realized their connection with Christ in its fullness. And they haven't realized what's damaging their relationship to Christ and others. Look, don't you realize if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now look at verse 18. Run. Paul Paul says, run. Run from what? Run from sexual sin. Adults, you run from sexual sin. Young people, you run from sexual sin. Why? Okay. No other sin can so clearly affect the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. You know, now, while all sin is the same to God, it's just rebellion against his authority. It's a transgression of his standard or omission of his expectation. That's what sin is. But he says in the category, the, the, the sex sins, they're in a separate category, not because they're worse, but because they do more to you in damage. 
They have greater impact on your life. So he's trying to say, you need to really run from this. Don't flirt with it. Don't fraternize with it. Run from it. Now, I'm here to take, I just, I, I want you to get this today because it's a truth that will really set you free. Here's the two things I want you to, re- to remember from this today. Number one, sex outside of marriage robs you of true intimacy in all your relationships. He says to run. Why? Is this a, he said run, run, run. Why? Because of what it will rob from you. Because of the damage it will do to you in the days ahead. Guys, sex is a gift from God. It's a good thing. But it's, he's, he, he, he's designed it to work in a certain atmosphere, in a certain environment. And that, he's decided, was the boundaries of marriage. Now, I know it's the 21st century. And I know you're thinking, Pastor, surely you can't believe that sex is for married people. You got it. Guilty. It is. God said it's the greatest thing. It's awesome what it does in your relationship and your oneness and your intimacy. And it is an incredible thing to be enjoyed. It is, it is an incredible thing to experience. Matter of fact, it's expected in the boundaries of marriage. But when you get outside those boundaries, now you're in troubled waters. Now you're, in, you're, now you're in over your head. Ah, you may think you got it under control, you got it handled, but you don't. It's a great thing. It's a gift from God because it unites us physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It gets us together. It does more than we think. It's not just a physical act. That's what he's saying. Did you not realize, and let me tell you the background of Corinth. There was a temple uh, erected, that, was, that was built to Aphrodite. And, and basically, she, that temple had 1,000 temple prostitutes. Their job was to have sex with people. And sure enough, these men from Corinth were going to church on Sunday and going to Aphrodite's place on Friday. And Paul said, have you not realized something here? Have you not realized what it's doing to your life? to your relationship with Christ, and to your relationship with your family? What are you thinking? He said, guys, man, what are you doing? So uh, you get this. So he's saying, look, here's what you need to know. When you go and do that, you're thinking it's just physical. Eh, just no big deal. Do you not know that something has interchanged with you? And that other person, guys, please hear me. When we, when we, it is designed to be where you come together in marriage with your partner, and it is incredible what it does for you in unifying you and building against me. But when you do it outside that boundary, you expose yourself to pain and heartache and disappointment. And I know people say, well, that's just what we do now in the 21st century, and it's just how, how life is. No, it's not. It's just because we believe the lies. Y'all are as quiet as the 830 service was. Man. All right, here we go. Here we go. I want you to get this. Sex is not just a Friday night event or an activity with a coworker. Far more than that. 
Sex is designed to unite two people, to join two people together. You say, a lot of times you say, I need to sit down and talk to my son and my daughter about this some point, Pastor. They're fixing to go to middle school or, you know, yeah, you do. Let me give you an illustration. You need to sit down and talk. Go Before you talk to them, get you two pieces of paper, glue it together, and put, glue those two pieces of paper together. Let them sit for a while. And then when you sit down, I want to talk to you about some things you need to know and things to be careful of and things you need to run from. And when you tell them about it, you say, here's why you run from this. Because if you cross the lines, you're going to go into territory you can never, ever fully undo. You see, if you glue two pieces of paper together... And then you try to take them apart. The residue from each paper will interchange and never be totally, completely restored to its original, original place. Impossible. Can't be done. And that's what Paul's saying. Guys, you don't realize you're messing up. And I want to say to you, in a culture that, that everybody says, well, you know, everybody does it. It's what we do. You know, uh, um, Guys, it's not what you have to do. It's not what you have to do. It's certainly, it's not, it's something you shouldn't do. Because it affects your intimacy. Now, sex is designed to be a part of a significant permanent relationship. It's a significant part of a permanent relationship. It's designed to be part of a permanent relationship, not a permanent passing passionate event or or fashionable experience that everybody thinks is how you do life now. No. It's to to build intimacy. Guys, I was raised. My parents taught me that very well. Sex is for marriage. My wife was taught that. And I want you to understand that really stayed with me because I, I, for something I realized that this was such a, God had done something incredible to make this a reality and such an amazing gift that I, I really wanted it to be what it was supposed to be. So let me tell you what intimacy, intimacy looks like. You say, what does it mean to be intimate anyway? It's not just being physical. It's way beyond physical. One of my favorite illustrations of intimacy. Uh, a couple have been married 45 years. Man, they've been together and through thick and thin and loved one another. And, you know, you become one. They got joined. And they, they entered that covenant of marriage. They lived it out. They were faithful to one another. And it comes down to the wife is, has early stages of Alzheimer's. And she's, she's struggling with how to behave in public. And, and, and so the daughter has them over for a big dinner. And, and in the process of being dinner, they got through dinner okay without any events. And then came time for the dessert. And she brought the dessert out as a piece of pie. And, and the wife took that plate and turned it over on the table and began to take her fork and eat the pie off the table. Now, the daughter was kind of like, Mom, what are you doing? You can't do this. this is, no, you can't do this. But the husband and her father said, it's all right. And he turned his plate upside down on the table and took a fork and ate his pie off the table with his wife that she would not be embarrassed. That's intimacy. Guys, you don't want to lose that. You don't want to miss out on that. You don't want to jeopardize that. 
Paul says, run, run, run. The second thing I want you to get is sex outside of marriage leaves you with a bruised heart. I love my church people. I love you. You're my family. I love you guys. I care about you guys. I want to see you guys do great in middle school. If you're an athlete, I want you to do great. If you're a band guy, a person, I want you to do great. I, I want you to excel in academics. I want you to have a, have a fulfilled life. I want you to enjoy the things that's offered in middle school and high school. College students, I want you to enjoy college. But there needs to be some limitations. Just telling you. You need to set some boundaries of what you're not going to do because you're joined to Christ, because you're a follower of Christ, because you're a believer in Christ. There's things that I will not do to jeopardize my intimacy with Christ or my future intimacy with my spouse because that's what happens. If I I violate God's standards, I lose my intimacy with Him. And then the devil just brings chaos to my life. If, if, if I, I, then I, I find I can't be intimate with people because of some things. Here's what happens. How does it bruise your heart? You see, the destructive effects are not always immediate. So well, I got by Friday night, no big deal. Yeah, 10 years down the road might be a real big deal. Six months down the road. Oh, I, I don't doubt Friday night. Ain't gonna be dead. That that episode with a coworker at work may not be a big deal at the moment, but I promise you, it will be a big deal. They say what happens when we do these things and cross these boundaries? We create ghosts that follow us around and pop up at the most inconvenient times in our life and haunt us disrupt us. How does it bruise your heart? Number one, it bruises your heart physically, and I'm talking about your inner being, who you are, your personality. I'm not talking about your heart muscle. Of course, it could damage that too, create stress, high blood pressure, and do that thing too, but I'm just talking about you, who you are, what makes you laugh, what makes you feel good, all those things. It bruises who you are, and so how does it, does it physically, first of all? Physically, it has an impact on your life because you cross the line you can never go back and undo. The other thing is this. Sometimes you get a disease. There is no 100% guarantee that there's such a thing as safe sex. And there's a lot of sexually transmitted diseases out there. They're all bad. A couple of them are real bad because they'll damage you for years to come. That thing called AIDS is bad. It will kill you. It'll rob you of life. You run because of the physical things that'll come. Sometimes it's just the stress, the tension. It'll bruise your heart emotionally. You might want to write these down in your notes, but physically emotionally, it'll bruise your heart. What do I mean by that? It will bring insecurity to your life. And boy, insecurity 
is, a, is something that just beats you down because all of a sudden you, you, you don't trust anyone and you don't, you don't feel safe and, and you don't feel loved. And just insecurity is, is with you every day because of disappointments or because of being used or because of being that one-night, staying that one-night person. Now, I'm telling you, it leaves you being insecure. And that insecurity can stay with you for years and years and years and years and years. Not only that, it blocks intimacy. Emotionally, you begin to block intimacy. I am well aware that there's kind of this thing of, man, if you're a guy, uh, if you're really a guy, you're, gonna, you're just going to have a lot of sexual encounters with a lot of different people. The only way that's possible, and it is possible, it happens a lot, more than it should, by, more than it ever should. But it happens. You know why it happens? Because that guy, whether it's a teenager, college student, or an adult, has chosen to block out intimacy so he can treat the opposite sex like a piece of furniture for his own pleasure. But here's the problem. He will learn and train to block out intimacy so much when he gets married, he's still blocking out intimacy. And now the marriage has a problem. And now it won't work like it's supposed to. And that's tragic. Because now you don't get to enjoy the gift that God has given you to its fullest. You'll have to wrestle with it and and, and go. And and so it blocks intimacy. Not only does it block intimacy with, with people, It blocks intimacy with God. Wow. The third thing is it bruises your your heart mentally. (laughs) It creates memories. The brain is a phenomenal computer that doesn't erase anything. And it pops up at the most inconvenient times. And it bruises you spiritually. Guilt, shame, prevents intimacy with God. You know, all of a sudden, you don't want to talk to God, pray with God, don't want to go to church, don't want to be around God's people. It all happens is the devil is setting you up to totally destroy you. He's just trying to figure out how to do you in as quick as he can. Where you can't get back up. And this... um, This twisted world has produced this twisted truth that captivates so many people. Guys, I am not naive. Statistically, statistically, now over 60% of marriages will have an unfaithful spouse. That's sad. Now, well over 60% of our teenagers will become sexually active by the time they graduate high school. It's not good. Not good. So I, I look at these things and I go, okay, it's not. So Paul is saying to people who are in church every Sunday, do you not realize what's happening in your life You don't realize what you need to run from. So uh, you need to run. 
If you want a good illustration, I think you got Samson and Delilah that Samson should have should have realized when he needed to run. Had he ran, had he followed God's instruction, had he operated in God's boundaries, he would have never lost his sight. He would have never become a slave to the Philistines. He would have never been made fun of. They used to be afraid of him, man. The guy was an awesome Superman for God. And then one day he just blew it. Little baby steps. Little baby steps. That's how it happens. It don't happen all at once. It's baby steps. You just move closer toward that edge and that boundary. And you get, finally you get to the boundary and you go, I think I'll just step over the boundary a little bit. Uh, and then you're toast. Then you just step on out of the boundaries. And now you're operating in a, in a place you don't need to be. Like Samson. He thought he had it under control. He'd, he'd seen God do great things in his life. And now he's messed up. He kept laying his head in the lap of Delilah. Delilah kept ta- doing him in. Man, she kept saying, look, you know, you, you know you're just supposed to tell me where your strength lies. Because she cut a deal with the Philistines. Uh, uh, and so uh, finally he, he, he plays her along. And then she plays the if you love me card. Worst card. Let me tell you what. If you love me, you'll do this. Guys. That's the oldest line in the book. Do not fall for that. Someone says, if you love me, you'll have sex with me. Hey, if you love me, you'll give me a million dollars. I mean, what's fair is fair. Hey, don't come in with that. If you love me, you're going to tell me the truth, and you're going to do this. You're going to expose yourself. You're going to make yourself vulnerable if you tell me the truth. You're going to, you're going to tell me that which, and he, like a stupid idiot, said, well, you know. He took baby steps. He talked about his hair. He said, well, you braid my hair. Well, he knew that wasn't true, but he, you know. And then finally said, well, my hair's never been cut. And to his surprise, when he woke up, his hair was gone, but so was his strength. And they carted him off and plucked his eyes out, and he made him a slave. Don't buy into the garbage. I see a lot of beautiful young people. Man, the devil's trying to seduce you guys so much you don't even realize it. Pay attention. Paul said, Do you not realize what really matters? What's really important, not self-gratification, but the glory of God and how you live your life. Well, what do you do? I want to tell you two things. First of all, you run. You run from it. You don't walk from it. You don't negotiate. You run from it. I mean, you run as hard as you can. As fast as you can. Illustration, a guy named Joseph in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife, which was, she was probably very beautiful and very, very seductive, and she's trying to seduce Joseph. Joseph was a handsome young man, and she's trying to say, man, I, you know, I, we need to get together. And he's going, no, and he runs from her. He doesn't say, well, let's talk about it. He doesn't even say, I'll pray about it. He eats him. He runs. Can I tell you, there's some things you ain't got to pray about. Just incidentally, just so you'll know. 
He said, man, I ain't praying about this. I'm just running. He ran so fast and so hard he ran out of his jacket. She tried to grab hold of him. He said, man, I got to go. Why? Because had he stayed, he'd have been toast. You got to know when to run. And if you've crossed the lines, please hear me. I love you. I am your pastor. I'm always going to love you. I, I believe God restores people all the time. That's grace. So I'm not here to beat you up and beat you down. I'm here to set you free. I'm here, first of all, to keep some of you free, and maybe some of you need to be set free. What do you do? You repent. Paul is telling this. You know why this is a great passage? Because he's telling these guys, you need to repent. You need to change what you're doing. He's not saying we're going to vote you out of church. We're going to, you know, ban you from the covered dish dinners. We're going to put you on Facebook and tell everybody what you've done. That's not what he's saying. He said, I'm writing this so you'll realize what you need to do. Because God wants to do something in your life. You repent. You change your mind. You change your attitude about your lifestyle. You stop doing what God tells you to stop doing. You start doing what he tells you to do. You change direction in the way you're going. If you're you're going to the boundaries, you're getting closer and closer to the boundary, you stop and go away from it. You turn away from it. If you've crossed over the boundary, you say, God, forgive me. You confess it as sin because that's what it is. You say, God, and I want to tell you, you get along, if, if you've crossed the boundaries, get along with God in the near future. I mean, like sometime today. Go get along with God. Say, God, I'm so sorry. I've really misused this gift. I've abused this gift, but I really want you to forgive me, and I want you to restore me. And he will. That's the good news. He will. Oh, so how do you know that? Because I, I read in this book that does it all the time. He met a Samaritan woman who was so messed up, man, she had violated the boundaries so many times, so many ways, and he's going, she's just in a bad way, and he's there to set her free. Made a special trip just to meet with her. He said, I want to help you out because you're going the wrong way. I need to know the truth will set you free. I'm here to set you free. He forgave her. He did something amazing in her life. And uh, what about the woman called the act of adultery? He said, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to set you free. Oh, you messed up. Yeah, it's wrong what you did. Yeah, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't sweeping it under the rug. He said, this is wrong, but let me tell you, I think today you want to change your life, don't you? And she's going, you bet. Okay, well, let's do this thing. And restoration, guys, I, I'm all into restoration. If you mess up, get with God, get it right. Confess he's right. He'll forgive and heal you. Truth will set you free. He'll heal your hurt. The fact that Paul's writing this testifies that's what God's trying to do. And I think as a church, that's what we should do. Man, we need to make it easy for people to restore. We don't make it hard. We make it easy. We get support and encourage. God will heal your bruised heart if you let him. Fifteen years ago, 
we have a service and special event and beautiful young lady came forward during the invitation and uh, she came forward gave her heart to Christ that night but in the process of talking with one of our counselors she shared what was going on in her life and she had become sexually active in high school and and uh, now she was she was it finished up her senior year and shallowness, uh, guilt, shame. And uh, through the process of, of, of ministering to her and some counseling and all, let me tell you what, she got set free. And today she's an amazing wife and mother who still loves Jesus, involved in a church across town, doing really well. But she had to deal with it. You understand? I mean, you really got to deal with it. And you ain't got to tell the whole world. You ain't even got to tell me. But you do have to talk to God about it. Get it taken care of. And let him bring healing to your life and restoration. Maybe it's something that happened 10 years ago and you've never really dealt with it. And that isolation's real, that lack of intimacy's there. You're trying hard, you're trying to make it work, but you're just tired. Go back to where you blew it and say, God, forgive me. Man, if you, I'll go ahead and say this. I don't know what you guys do. I don't, I don't really, I don't read their own sheet and all that kind of stuff. I, I just show up and preach on Sunday. Love you and talk to you. If you tell me what's going on, I'll know. But I don't really let people talk to me about stuff or anything. So, but just in case, hey, if you're living with somebody, Marry him. Restore honor to the relationship. Say, Pastor, it's 21st century. I know that. But I'm united to an eternal God that goes beyond time. He's not, he's not held captive to that stuff. Nor impressed with it. I just want you to be free. I want you to experience the fullness of God's gift in every part of your life. So don't rob yourself. No one to run. If you failed, repent. And let restoration fill your life. Get what you need to get back in full swing. God and with those around you.